Good morning, brothers and sisters. Good morning, fellow travelers in the regions between the between today and tomorrow. Good morning to the ocean-going freaks, to the seagull and the crab. Good morning to the whales, all the ones still out there. Good morning to everybody that owns a Tesla. Good morning to everyone traveling to space. Good morning to the moon. It is January the 25th, 2022, in the age and time of Boblimtok. And you could say to yourself, well, this all sounds so amazing, but, but wait. You know, like Ron Popeil would say, there's more. <laughs> it snowed today. Yeah, it's right around 8 a.m. Tuesday. 8 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Utah. It snowed today where I'm at. Not very much snow, maybe about a quarter of an inch. Um, a dusting, as they'd say when I was a kid. And when I call it snow, I, I really do want to use sarcastic quotes. And I don't need any angry emails from airline pilots explaining to me why all these airlines are flying planes that are empty of people, why it seems that most of the revenue for Alaska Airlines comes from employees traveling for free. Uh, no, I don't need to get into any of that nonsense with you. I'm just telling you as a former air defense officer that what you're seeing are not contrails. I don't know what the fuck they are, neither do you. And if you've got some dissop motherfucker who says he was a drunken pilot for 50 years telling you they're contrails, you need to ignore that idiot, period. And if it you know, if the snow looks weird and if it's extra slippery, that might be the little bit of soap they add, you know, to help it to disperse in the sky, to keep the compounds from coagulating. Anywho, uh, yeah, it snowed a little, but I gotta say, I gotta say that sarcastically. Here's where I think we're at. And that way... I don't run the risk of spreading fear. And I do this periodically now, so it may be redundant. And so if you're a listener and you say, Dan, you talk about this every week, I do. Because I need you to understand where I'm at, so if you think I'm full of shit, you can do your own research. That's fine. You should, actually. You shouldn't just listen to some random motherfucker on the internet and assume they're telling you the truth. In fact, you should approach the internet the opposite way, okay? You should not think of it as some grand library in Alexandria where all the great thinkers are sitting around chewing the fucking fat, literally and figuratively. No, it's more like a hooker paradise in the worst part of town. It's more like a fucking bar with two people sitting up there. You see them every fucking day. They got the breath of whiskey. They got the breath of cigarettes. They got the breath of stale beer and stale popcorn, you fuck. 
that's the internet. It's not the Alexandrian library. It's not some great place of great thinkers. It's mostly a lot of shitheads um, crowding out the few people who might know what the fuck is going on. So don't assume that any motherfucker is telling you the truth. Don't assume because it's represented as alternative that it's really not another control mechanism. There are so many control mechanisms. And there are so many fucking sheepdogs out there. And you say, well, Dan, what's a sheepdog? Well, let's, let's review our propaganda theory. A fool or a jester is someone put into the public to take a serious issue and make it look like a fucking joke. I'm going to repeat that. In propaganda theory, the fool or the jester or the harlequin, their purpose is to take something real, something potentially catastrophic, and make it seem funny. That, that's the purpose of the fool. Okay, the purpose of the sheepdog is a little different than the fool. The sheepdog is supposed to have a pretty good reputation and be well known for being honest and true, assuming you can afford to pay the money to actually research all these fuckers, which I know I can't. So when someone says, I have a great reputation, I have no fucking way of rationally verifying that. The reality is, just like the conversation we had around consciousness and knowledge, it applies here too. You have a working brain. You have a working mind. You probably even know how to read. But the fact is you don't know everything and you might not even know enough. And so when you go on the internet and you come across some person, they might look radical. They might look edgy. They might look they're, like they're opposed to the, the man or the system. But truly, folks, a lot of these are just sheepdogs. Their purpose is to keep you as the rebel, as the person looking for answers to keep you inside the fucking fence. Keep you on the property. Maybe they let you wander a little bit off the property just to make it seem fucking real. But whether it's Alex Jones or Joe Rogan or many other, many other of these folks, their purpose is to be a sheepdog. They are in many ways a manifestation of the outer boundaries of what is referred to as the Overton window. And the Overton window, simply put, is the window of allowable thought, allowable discourse, allowable expression within the society. So there are a lot of sheepdogs out there, okay? And a lot of fools and a lot of people telling you just total bullshit. And a lot of folks who are selling what I would call the simple Epicurean lifestyle with a I don't want to know about it. And I got to say, I'm, I'm okay with that in a way. I mean, if, if the purpose of your channel is to show yourself playing a fucking video game and getting drunk and getting high and you're not like proposing communism or any type of vile bullshit, but all you're doing is having fun playing games and doing whatever... You know, I don't know that that's the best use of your time, but I don't think it's the worst thing either, okay? It's it's just, that's not really a big problem for me. Um, and very, very soon, I'm not really sure it would be a problem at all, really. Uh, very soon. So here's what I know right now, you know, that I can say. I I believe that the governments of the world, and so not just the United States, not just China, 
but probably most of the governments of the world. And again, I know you're going to think this is crazy, and that's okay, because very few other things explain it. You could say it's only the United States, but folks, the United States has hundreds of military bases worldwide. So you can kind of just say the world. If you say the U.S. and China, if this is really a conspiracy between the elite and our government and the Chinese communists, then that is a big chunk of the fucking world. And there are other countries who would probably go along with it. So let's just leave it right there. At least our government, and probably many other governments, have been conducting military, psychological warfare operations since 2020. I am 99.9% .9 certain of that. I'm also certain the flavor of these PSYOPs is a kind of trauma-based mind control with a very basic purpose. They want to keep you mostly contained. They mostly don't want you to travel. They mostly don't want you to talk to each other. They don't really want you to have any type of normal intercourse with your neighbors or, or actual, you know, sexual intercourse, I would say, too. They want to isolate every person from every other person to the extent that is statistically possible, okay? And the core message of the PSYOP has been simple. Stay the fuck home, okay? Don't go outside. There are commies outside. Don't go outside. There are flash mobs stealing really expensive, you know, freaking purses outside. They're going to carjack you outside. There are homeless people with scrumpto outside. The monkey herpes COVID Rona is crawling up every pipe up into your toilet. And also it's everywhere outside. Don't go to Christmas. Don't hang out. And by the way, we're going to show you little pictures of us, the elite, having parties, getting fucking drunk, being stupid, and we're not going to be wearing masks. And the purpose of that is just to piss you off and immobilize you even further. That's it. If you ask me, the PSYOPs so far have been pretty successful. And yeah, 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 you have your sheepdogs out there leading protests. We're going to go protest today. We're going to go take our people to here today. There are a lot of sheepdogs doing lots of nonsense with a lot of fucking sheep right now. But the reality is the trucker protesting and the people in D.C. protesting is a lot of smoke and mirrors Potemkin bullshit. We are way past the line of protesting. It's okay if you want to just hunker down. Because me personally, I think the federal government of the United States is in collapse. I do. I also suspect that the Chinese government is, is in a very difficult situation right now. We don't know the real truth, and it's not the monkey herpes, but I believe millions of Chinese people are being murdered. I believe our government today, just as in 1989, is helping to cover it up, okay? We are doing for the Chinese what we, well, frankly, claim we would never do, and that is we are covering up genocide. We are covering up the murder of millions, and it's not new. Okay, research Falun Gong, research the, the Chinese organ trade business, and then you tell me whether or not the Chinese government, I don't mean the people, the people are just like us, okay, it's not a racial, it's not a racial thing, but you tell me the Chinese government is legitimate, it's not, but then neither is ours, because they've done their own shit, and they're covering up for the Chinese. That's what I think could be the main purpose of these PSYOPs. China could be in a state of civil war.
The problem is these types of trauma-based mind control psyops, they have a shelf life and they start going bad because you either reject it or you get sick and die. You reject it and you can get psychologically well again or you keep accepting it and you basically have mismanaged diabetes, mismanaged heart disease, mismanaged cancer, you have a lot of suicides and overdoses and a lot of people that just go fucking crazy and kill other people and themselves. So the thing about this type of a military psychological warfare operation is you have to be very fucking careful unless your goal is total chaos. If your goal is total chaos, folks, <laughs> a few we've almost flattened the curve for that, I think. Yeah, if the purpose of these psyops, these manipulations, is to um, keep people locked down in a state of traumatic internal mental disarray, that has a shelf life and people are going to just start losing it on a massive scale. Um, that is guaranteed. That is something that was going to happen. In fact, I think they experimented with this a little bit after 9-11. I don't want to talk about 9-11. A lot of you freaks still want to believe a little bit of your government. Just a little bit, Dan. A little bit is true. You know, the COVID is kind of true. Like I said, if you use your COVID reasoning and want to call it a pandemic, then I am your father. You are my shit baby. I fucked your mom using your same wretched logical reasoning. There are all kinds of random viruses that kill all kinds of people. The question is, was it ever a pandemic? And the answer is no. Shut the fuck up about all the other bullshit. Okay? Really. You're just trying to rationalize in your head how you were pulled into being a shithead and how you might have parroted shit that led to another person you don't even fucking know blowing their fucking brains out. So please stop with this. Well, the COVID is kind of real and I think we can kind of trust the government. You tell me what piece of that piece of shit, Hieronymus Bosch, decaying disease crocodile, you think you can fucking trust. Point to it. Okay? The whole thing at this point looks like a meat sack to me filled with parasites that have eaten it from the inside out. And very, very soon, folks, the sides of that crocodile are going to split... And all those fucking parasites are going to spill out everywhere. That's the future of the federal government. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a rant there, huh? The U.S. economy was falling apart before 2020. So if you're one of these freaks who want to say, well, the economy's bad now, but it was really... No, it wasn't really good in 2019. I have links to a podcast, The Unconscious Skier. I recommend it because a lot of people lived in a different reality after the great financial crisis. There were, the, I think most people, just barely struggling to keep alive or going underwater. And then there were people lucky enough to be in the donut around Washington, D.C. or in the military-industrial complex or in the healthcare pharma. We're going to poison your grandma complex. And they had good enough jobs paying them good gumbo freak money. And they could live in a fantasy world. 
But the reality is the economy before 2020 was like a stranded unconscious skier. In the little skier's head, they're up in the chalet drinking martinis with the underwear models. But in reality, the skier is slowly dying from the outside in. That is the U.S. economy since 2009. And, and it didn't get better in recent years. There was no recovery from the pandemic. There... This is just more smoke and mirrors bullshit and a lot of printed money and essentially a global austerity program. And the base case is, again, this is another link I have to something I did in early 2019 um, called the Scroobilee. But the base case is the Scroobilee, which means that you have been totally financially wrecked. If you're depending upon Social Security, you are fucked. Even if your 401k still shows a positive number, it doesn't matter because 400,000 times zero is still zero. Um, sorry. No, the best case scenario is the Scroobilee. At this point, I also believe that's true. The best case scenario is you and I and all of us have been totally ripped off again. And this was the big ripoff. And they're probably, no, not probably, with the current government, there's not going to be another one. And with the current banking system, that particular one-armed bandit is dead. That is the truth of what's going on. They ripped off all the money they could. And like in the movie Goodfellas, once they stole every fucking thing they could steal, they set fire to the restaurant. That is the best case scenario, is what I believe at this point. And you really have to get your head on board with that because that does mean that whatever retirement plan you had is gone. It's over. It's done. Me, I basically started coming to peace with this 10 fucking years ago. Most of the people I know are still catching Yeah, they're still catching up. A few people are where I'm at. A lot of people I grew up with are, you know, it's like the analogy I use. We're in the coyote moment still. And so there's still a little bit of momentum. And some people are coasting up there at 100,000 feet. And so when the coyote moment happens and there's no more momentum, they're going to fall from 100,000 feet. I'm still 10 or 20 feet off the ground. I, I thought I was on the ground. But what I learned after the GoDaddy incident of GoDaddy.com stealing my intellectual property, stealing thousands of hours of work, stealing my time, stealing prepaid fees, basically being a bunch of scumbag thieves and liars and pieces of shit. What I learned from my GoDaddy experience, though, is I'm still going through the Kubler-Ross bullshit, okay? This is still that anger, okay? You got denial, anger, bargaining. You got to get through that to depression. I thought I already did. But what I learned from the GoDaddy experience is I'm not there yet either. I'm still 20 feet off the ground. I could break my leg. So there's still may, there may be things in my life that are significant enough that they could impact my ability to survive once things start really falling apart. I hope that's not true, but I got to be honest, okay? I grew up in the United States of America. So no matter how awake or aware or no matter how clear my thinking might be, and by the way, talk about muddy terms like wake or awoke. What a bunch of bullshit. Anywho, depending upon whether or not I see clearly, that's going to have a lot to do with how well I do. But anybody who grew up in the United States of America probably doesn't see that clearly. Um, probably doesn't. Sorry.
prior to the monkey herpes, a lot of CEOs and major corporations left their jobs and retired, okay? Again, prior to the monkey herpes, the short-term banking system, the banking system that allows a, a, a company to get paid so that you have containers being offloaded, of sh offloaded from ships, for example, the system that allows commerce to take place prior to 2020, that system was breaking down catastrophically. That was referred to amongst people in the know as the repocalypse. But the point is, that was a big deal. It was underplayed by the system because, again, maybe they intended to pull the, the trigger on this PSYOP and it just happened to coincide with this. Again, I don't... I don't have enough information to know which happened, which impacted what. Like you could say the economic collapse led to the psyops, but what if in fact people knowing the psyops were coming led to the collapse? These are people in the know. These are not ordinary everyday people. These are the people that have millions and billions of dollars and they probably do get information about the future that you and I don't get. I know that seems unfair, but it's probably true, okay? And what's clear is prior to 2020, it, for at least five years prior to 2020, there was a lot of strange stuff happening um, with respect to the building of bunkers, with respect to CEOs quitting their jobs. A whole bunch of weird stuff was going on prior to the monkey herpes. So even though I hope this is just the screwbilly, and even though I hope this is just the total destruction of your economic life, the reality is I think it's probably worse. I, I just don't know. Um, the reason why I think there, there's a good chance it is the screwbilly is this angle with China. I've had a hard time figuring out the truth of the whole Australia thing the last, you know, the last few years, like since the beginning of the monkey herpes, the whole way in which Australia seems to be brutally shut down. And I also don't know the full truth of it. Some of it could be true, a little of it could be true, a lot of it could be true. But the way that it's been described, it sounds like Australians, if you believe the media, and again, we should be a bit suspect, if you believe the media, it sounds like Australia is in a terrible situation right now. But again, another feature of this is the connection between Australia and China is an extremely strong connection. So if, if the Chinese communist government was having problems maintaining control, they would have a reason to want to control Australia because Australia does represent a society of people where if they knew what was going on in China, I'm not saying they'd do anything militaristically, they probably wouldn't, but there would be at least that social consciousness that is geographically closer. You would have more, for example, shortwave radio operators trying to reach out to and maybe contact reliable sources in China. But right now, the information about China is crap. I mean, all I see is periodically they're kind of open, periodically they're kind of closed. They're welding people's doors shut. I don't know in what fucked up universe that's a good strategy with a pandemic. But beyond that, I can't tell you what the fuck is going on there other than I suspect some really bad shit that has nothing to do with the monkey herpes. And I go back to this once again. When I was in the service, they told us why you don't do biological warfare. It is absolutely uncontrollable. 
They've always known this. This idea that it is any kind of doctrine for any rational military on planet Earth to do this sort of thing is crazy. On the other hand, militaries do psychological warfare. Now, psycho psychological warfare can be incredibly damaging. But if you do it right, you can kind of target it. You can, um, if you do it right. And it's possible that they're doing it very well. I, I can't tell you. I think we're going to find out pretty soon. And But here's another thing, too. I think depending upon how things fall apart, it's also possible that we'll never know the real truth. And this is something we all got to come to grips with at this point. This is another one of those Kubler-Ross grieving things. You may have to deal with the possibility that because of the nature of the petrodollar empire and because of the amount of power and scope that exists there and energy in the system that's going to create social and economic chaos when it releases, because of all of that, it's possible the system implodes so badly that no, we might never know all the truth. We might never know much of it. In fact, we might spend the first you know few decades of this, which could be starting pretty soon, just trying to fucking survive. And, and, and we'll all kind of say, okay, we're glad that that monster is gone. And most of us will go to pretend land saying, but it's, I'm just glad it's gone. I'm glad the golem's gone. I, I don't know if I learned my lesson. Who knows? We'll probably create another government down the road, but at least it's gone. A lot of people will be satisfied with the monster simply being dead. And so it's possible that, you know, we'll never know the truth that this system will crash that fucking bad. And there is no winner in this. This isn't like the end of the Cold War where there's going to be people going in to find the truth from other countries. We have achieved something that no empire in human history ever achieved. And maybe we only had it for 50, 60 years, but we had it. You know, the United States controlled the world for about half a century and maybe much of it for most of the last century. But it's gone, okay? It's gone. It was always based upon available energy, and, and we should translate cheap energy. It was always based upon a lot of gimmicks, and all of that stuff is worn out. There are a lot of folks who paint the picture of this being uh, the United States, excuse me, this being like Germany in 1933. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is not Germany 1933, we, we've been there, done that. We, went, we did all that we needed to do to go through that whole life cycle. This is Berlin, 1945. And you still got crazy Nazis and you still have crazy motherfuckers that could, in a figurative sense, end the world in a way. I mean, there's still the danger that an empire in, in collapse, that an empire in collapse will go out with a bang and not a whimper. In a lot of ways, the collapse of the Soviet Union was a whimper and... You know, the world is relieved for that because we did not need a nuclear war. That wouldn't have helped anybody. But the question is, will the empire, not the republic, I don't know if we have the courage to have a free republic again. I don't know if we have the courage to keep it. But the empire that destroyed the republic, it could choose to go out um, in a blaze of glory. It could choose to go out with every pistol being fired. It could choose to go out triggering World War III. And if that's the case, a lot of the nonsense around the Ukraine looks more serious. It does. But who knows? Um, I think 
it's also possible when we talk about the whimper that the United States could have, and I called this a soft civil war, but we could end up with a soft civil war. I worked in the military. I've been around enough officers to tell you something. A lot of high-level generals have a passive-aggressive way of saying no. They do. They do. So, like, let's say some shithead from the White House is sitting down in some room in the White House with some random fucking general or random fucking Fulberg colonel or random fucking admiral who the fuck knows. And they're sitting down there having a serious conversation. And I think the Clinton administration, with its lawyers, were the first ones to think up this kind of crooked shit. And I'm just saddened that there were officers in the military who were too dumb to realize how fucked up this was back then. Um... But imagine this fucking White House consultant sitting down in this room with this general or this colonel. Could be female, could be male. And the consultant says, hey, you know, we got this project. We want to get this low-yield tactical nuke into the Ukraine someplace, you know, maybe near Kiev, but not Kiev, and blame it on the Russian separatists. And again, the... You have to understand something. I don't think these generals will do what that German admiral did recently and come out and say, well, you know, I had to resign because they're shitheads. No, but this is what they will do. They'll immediately look at their watch or, or in this case, this day and age, pull up their iPhone and say, oh, fuck, you know, I've got a meeting in five minutes, but can I put you on the schedule for next week? We can, we can talk about this thing next week. I got to bring in my team anyways to talk about it. Can we talk about this thing next week? That And then the general or the admiral, the Fulberg colonel or dude, gets up from their chair and walks away. I believe a lot of that shit's happening, okay? None of these political pieces of shit have the courage to put stuff in actual paperwork, to actually issue real orders. They, they've gone past that shit. But I think some of these generals and admirals and colonels are beginning to realize that their escape hatch is because they don't have the courage to put this stuff in any type of real order. They don't have the courage to actually, for example, Syria. We didn't declare war on Syria. That's some crooked ass bullshit stealing another country's oil. What the fuck explains Syria? Nothing, okay? If you think there was a lot of legal orders that pushed that shit around, you're living in a crack cocaine paradise. There was a lot of illegal bullshit at the top and probably a lot of people kabuki dancing the official orders below them. But actually, in terms of legal orders at the top, I'd say almost nothing. Probably no paper trail, virtually no paper trail. And the only people that end up going on trial are the colonels and the generals and whatever other schmuck decided to do some incredibly criminal thing without any type of official authorization, period. So I think we could be in a soft civil war right now. And, and who knows what types of orders are being refused. And I should say not so much refused as, like I said, I got to get up. I got a meeting in five minutes. We'll talk next week. That's exactly how these fuckers would handle it. And I don't think that's a great sign of courage, but I'd much rather have them do that than do some type of wretched, illegal, and criminal shit against another country or against the American people. So I have a theory. I think a lot of high-level folks are doing that right now. They're covering their ass. A lot of high-level generals 
when the Soviet Union was collapsing did shit like that because it was the only way to protect themselves. They didn't want to quit their jobs. They didn't want to get into any deep trouble, but they could do the whole, you know, shuffle around the paperwork, shuffle around the clock, look at your, oh, I got to go to a fucking meeting, you fuck. They might not say you fuck, though they should, though they may feel like it, but they have to go to another meeting and they're late. We could go through a soft civil war, and it's possible that you have, I don't want to say courageous, but you have self-interested mayors, governors, various people even right now basically doing the same thing. They, they notice that there's nothing particularly legal about all this monkey herpes bullshit, so they're kind of beginning to realize that they could just fucking ignore it. It's not legal. It's not justified. It's complete crooked nonsense. So it's well within their power to say, you know, this is kind of bullshit. Fuck you. I don't know. I mean, what we're looking at could just be the screwbully, um... It could be related to China. It could be something worse. Um, I have to tell you this because it's, it, I got to say it. What we are looking at right now could be worse than just the collapse of the empire. It could be. And it, and, and it could be that they think something worse is going to happen. It doesn't mean they have the evidence that it will. It doesn't mean they're right. I don't really want to talk about this very much. Um, one of the things I suspected because of the chain of events is that the psyops were really intended just to keep people under control for a couple years. I don't think they control the schedule. The manipulation of the tempo of the psyops indicates to me they're trying to stretch it out, which just implies they don't control the schedule. But it does look like recently the COVID monkey herpes psyop, it does seem like it might almost be over. I don't really know. It's hard to say because they could just be turning down the temperature because if they don't control the schedule and if it's worse than collapse, then some fuzzy event that they expect to happen hasn't happened yet. Now let's talk about fools. Like Greta Thunberg is a fucking fool. If you can't see that Greta Thunberg is literally a fool out of all history of fools. Like any king throughout history would have had a little Greta to act like an idiot. If you, if you can't see that, I'm sorry for you. But Greta's a fucking fool. And her purpose, her real purpose is not to create some massive movement. She might gather all the idiots into a stadium, but her real purpose is not to do that. Her purpose is to take a real issue, a serious issue, and make it look like a joke. Al Gore had the same fucking purpose. His job was to make predictions that could be proven wrong. His job was to be Chicken Little, but a really stupid, fat, middle-aged Chicken Little. And he did it. He pulled it off. He, he, he fucking, he, he won it. He won it. Al Gore was a fool, okay? So when you think about climate change and Al Gore and Greta Thunberg, understand, if you're pissed off at Greta, you might be a greater idiot than she is. Because she's a fucking fool. Her purpose is to be stupid. Being pissed off at stupid or the people that follow stupid seems like a waste of fucking time, but that's just me. 
In the last few years, I have noticed a lot of strange things in my personal experience of the environment. I don't want to talk about the newspapers or the magazines or the scientific studies. I'm not going to talk about shit I cannot confirm. What I can tell you is that the Puget Sound, compared to when I was a kid, is trashed. Now, do I know why it's trashed? I don't know for sure. I can just tell you it's fucking trashed. I can tell you there are a lot of salmon runs that are gone. And they're not moving to another apartment complex someplace else. They're just gone. I can tell you that the drought is not just, you know, a monthly drought or a daily drought on the West Coast. It is a massive drought that has been ongoing for at least 10 years, probably longer. It's pretty bad. And yeah, periodically, they'll pump up some rainstorm that added a few inches of water to the overall debt. But the overall water debt on the West Coast is incredible, okay? These are things I've seen with my own fucking eyes, too. So I don't really need someone to say, well, Dan, it's all just, it's all bullshit. No, okay? The oceans are turning to shit, and I've seen this with my own eyes. That's not bullshit, okay? That's something that's really happening. Whatever the fuck they're doing in the skies, for whatever wretched reason, is really happening. You don't know any more than I do the reason why. Do you want to say it's contrails? If you, if you want to say they're flying empty planes around for some stupid fucking reason, maybe they are. But I've seen some of the insides of that industry, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of rinky-dink, sly, deep-state bullshit that goes on in the airline industries. A lot. Not a little, but tons of it. A lot like healthcare. A lot of rinky-dink Fed control. A lot of fucking bullshit. So, no. No, buddy. Don't quote from me, United Airlines, you fuck. Well, Boeing says, you know what, Boeing? If you can reliably keep your planes in the air so they don't kill hundreds of people once in a while, I'll listen to what you got to say, okay? But until then, fuck off, Boeing. Boeing said, shut up. I don't want to scare people. You don't have reasons to be scared. You, don't, you shouldn't be scared. No one should scare people. But what I would like people to understand is that there are people trying to scare you. And one of the possibilities is that they're trying to cover something up. And that's it. Sorry. I, I just need you to know where I stand. I don't think we're headed back to normal, whatever the fuck normal is or was. Normal gave birth to this fucking nightmare. So if you think normal was so fucking great, you're talking about the mother of evil, you stupid fuck. So we're not going back to normal, whatever the hell that was. Next topic. topic. And this is really two topics, but I want to do a quick introduction here. If you have purchased your computer um, the way that most people do, if you purchased your computer from a standard computer supplier, I don't care if it's a video game console, I don't care if it's a tablet, I don't care if it's a Kindle, I don't give a fuck what kind of computer it is. It could be a raspberry fucking pie. But if you have purchased your computer the way that most people do, your computer is owned. And when I say owned, that means that it has exploits built into it, Trojan exploits built in, that 
the only way you can disable would be to like take a stick of dynamite, tie it to your Raspberry Pi, and then throw it, you know, 20 or 30 feet, and then hide behind a rock. That's how you deal with the exploits that are there, okay? The exploits are on the CPU, they're in the memory, they're, they're throughout the architecture. So it doesn't really matter what kind of operating system you run, it just doesn't matter. About the only way to really, you know, maintain some control over your computer would be to only ever use it disconnected from the internet and probably to only ever use it in a Faraday cage. And that's about it, you know? Um, there was a movie from 1998 with Gene Hackman and he would only use his computer basically inside of a Faraday cage, not connected to anything. And, you know, and it seemed ridiculous at the time, but looking back, that might be the only safe way to use a computer that you would just go buy. Because the computers themselves, every significant part of them, is controlled by the national security state. The CPU has national security control, excuse me, the government has national security control over your CPU, over your memory. So when people say things like, well, I can do this or I can do that, before we have the following conversation, you need to know that if you bought your computer any old random way, I don't give a fuck if you run a VPN, okay? Because they can still fuck with you with Trojans even if you use a VPN. If you bought your computer the way that most people do, your computer is already owned, okay? There's nothing you can do about it, like I said, other than use it disconnected inside of a Faraday cage. Now, there are a lot of these applications that are beyond just the basic ownership, and these are things that exist within the boundary region between corporations and government. And one example would be these vaccine passports or these vaccine certifications. These are applications being hosted by quasi-private companies. These are applications being demanded by government organizations. And their purpose is to what? Help with the monkey herpes pandemic? I don't know. I don't believe in that pandemic. But their purpose is something, but those types of applications can also carry Trojans. And once you install it, whether it's on your phone or your iPad or whatever, once you install that application, you are taking a risk. Depending upon the kind of operating system you're running, that application will be given rights that could give it enough rights to basically do almost anything, including, at the very least, spy on you, you know, the keylogger, and send keylogs back to another server, including, you know, your passwords and shit. Something to think about, right? But there's a specific type of software like this I want to talk about. And it's called digital rights management. Digital rights management, DRM. Digital rights management. Now, here is the fairy tale that an intellectual property lawyer will tell you. There are thousands and millions of starving artists, uh, painters, and musicians, and videographers out there. And the reason why they're starving is because people did file sharing and Napster, and they do Tor. And so we need an application that will protect the rights of the creator. Listen, this is what a lot of lawyers will do. They'll take you down this road where the only way you can have an ethical relationship with another human being is if there's a fucking law. Okay, so already, as someone who wants to live in a free society, already 
you know, I'm thinking to myself, no, fuck you, you can keep it. But the basic fairy tale argument is that th these systems protect your intellectual property. As someone who just got digitally raped by GoDaddy, I can tell you it this stuff, whatever version of it people use, doesn't protect shit. But what it does do, what it completely does do, it allows the deep state to have another way into your computer. Digital rights management has access to parts of your operating system, parts of your file system that puts your computer at risk. They can also be a way to do denial of service. They can, you know, hijack your web browser. And again, people use their web browsers to connect with the outside world. DRM, apparently from what's happened to me, because I'm about to tell my story, DRM can do a lot of crazy shit. DRM was impacting my mouse behavior. DRM was impacting my websites, my browsing history. Um, a whole bunch of browsing history just magically disappeared. And a whole bunch of other stuff magically disappeared. And again, I'm pretty certain it's the Amazon Video Services DRM bullshit. It also means I can't use Amazon any longer, despite the fact that I have thousands of dollars of movies and shows I paid for on there. And why did I pay for them? Because I was trying to do the right thing on the Death Star, which is often about the dumbest fucking thing you can do, really. I'm not saying you should go out and, you know, kill people. Don't be like a stormtrooper. But what I will tell you is being a good little boy or girl on the Death Star does not help you. Believe me, doesn't. If you want to have access to most of these video services, okay? In my humble opinion, if you wanna use them, you're probably dealing with some type of DRM software. And this is a software that essentially acts like a plugin to your browser. It acts as an intermediary. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Microsoft, being the geniuses they are, had this really cool technology in the late 90s called ActiveX. And what ActiveX was, was it was an executable you could download and run in your browser. And it, had a, and it could do whatever any program could do. So it didn't take long for hackers to throw ActiveX stuff up there and say, hey, click on this, click on this. Now, of course, the ActiveX vulnerability isn't what it used to be. Like, the, it, it still is kind of a problem, and, and you still have a problem downloading EXEs. But the thing about ActiveX is that it would show up in your browser like it was part of the web app. So the other problem is you wouldn't always know. In fact, when ActiveX first showed up, you would not, you would not realize, unless you did some investigation and you were a computer person, when ActiveX first showed up, you wouldn't realize it was really an executable running on your computer. It might be communicating with a web server someplace, you know, exchanging data, but the application was running right there, more or less outside of the sandbox of the browser. And if you want to think of the sandbox, the sandbox is the place where the browser can do its stuff without harming your computer, so goes the theory. <sighs> DRM and technologies like this and other technologies that they're going to push on you, you know, before they before the system collapses, which I don't think is a long ways off. But DRM, like the COVID passport bullshit, like all this other shit, these are just potential Trojans, really. Now me, my browser started going wonky a couple weeks ago. I started losing browser behaviors off and on. And some of this coincided with a specific website. 
And I more or less proved today because I, you know, I installed the Brave browser. So before I continue, I want to say this. I don't know enough about the Brave browser to tell you that the people are good people or bad people who run the company. I don't know. But so far, it works pretty good. And so far, it, it indicates when I go to a site um, where there are these cross-site exploits and where they're using some of these shared data services with hidden iframes so that you can do things like Google AdWords and spy on people. So, so far the Brave browser is doing exactly what I would expect it to do. But one of the things it also did when I went to Amazon Video is it immediately blocked it and, said, and put up a pop-up and basically said, listen, Amazon wants to use a plugin, an application that's installed on your computer to show you a video for digital rights management. You have to approve of this before you get to watch the video. And, Brave goes through the points of making, they don't control it, it's a chromium thing, blah, blah, blah. But I gotta say, it was kind of a wake-up call when I got that message, because I should have known with DRM how invasive it would be, but I just never thought it would be so invasive that it would become a time suck, that it would become a mind fuck, um, that, it would, that it would in some ways become a, its own little petty disgraceful trauma monkey psyop bullshit but yeah DRM is a way another way they can fuck with you I would say at this point given the nature of the internet in the United States the NSA, the CIA and the deep state have enough control that doesn't mean they have total control but they have enough they have enough that when they feel like they need to throw a switch and turn things off they can do it and they can even be more precise than that they probably have enough control that they can take over people's computers and shut them down. They're probably not going to pull out the big guns until they need to. Though I'm sure there have been hackers over the years that understood how the tools worked and, and used them themselves. I don't think the deep state is going to use these tools until they have to, but when they need to, they will. Um, like I said, even if you don't install DRM, and so you don't choose to, to watch these videos the way that officially you're supposed to. I wanted to make the point, chances are your computer is still basically exploited. It's just that the exploits that are on your computer, the, the ones that are there when you buy it, those are ones that they save. I don't think the deep state uses that stuff willy-nilly. I think a lot of crooks figure it out, but I don't think the deep state has an interest in using that stuff until they have to. So recently, a German admiral resigned. And ostensibly, the reason why the German general resigned is because of this, um, well, this behavior, um, these you know, differing standards that the German government applied to Russia versus China. That from this you know, admiral's perspective, the Chinese government was very corrupt, very dangerous, um, violating a lot of human rights, doing a lot of damage. So from his perspective, China was a real threat and a real pariah. And Germany, I mean, excuse me, Russia is like, you know, not really the same thing and maybe the opposite almost. And so this German um, admiral resigned. I want to tell you something. In the last 20, 30 years in American culture, there has been an incredible push to upgrade the image of communist China. 
Okay, the Chinese people are the Chinese people. Let's just get that out of the way. And for most of Chinese history, it wasn't the government or the country that it is today. In fact, what's going on there today is the exception, not the rule. I think that's something people need to understand. This idea of highly centralized government, the way they have it today, that is not really part of even the Chinese culture with respect to government, okay? It's not the same thing. So what you have with the Chaicoms is rare to Chinese history. That's one thing I would say. The other thing is this. If you go back to 1800 and you ask yourself, since 1800, how much time has quote-unquote China spent in civil war? The answer would be probably 50 or 60%. Okay, even after Mao took control, it wasn't very long until you had the Cultural Revolution. And that was effectively a civil war in China for 10 years. And we have no fucking idea. We have no clue what the fuck went on in China after Tiananmen Square. You don't know and I don't know. We were all excited about the Berlin Wall and then later about kicking Saddam's butt. So you don't know what the fuck was going on there and neither do I. But you know what? I'm thinking maybe a lot of people were killed. A lot of people were murdered. And probably the United States government helped out. Have you ever heard of the term social promotion? You know, or it's sometimes called social promotion. Sometimes, sometimes people just describe it as everybody gets an A. Everybody gets an A. For most of the last three or four decades, China has been socially promoted in American culture to the point of going beyond equivalency to supremacy. We're constantly told how China is going to take over the world. I don't know who the fuck would want to take over a dumpster fire. But we're constantly told how China wants to take over the world and China's got super technology. And what, look, how, look how effective the Chinese government is. Yeah. A lot of social fucking promotion. I've worked with Chinese citizens, okay, for a major software company. I've worked around these folks. They're not better programmers. In fact, in a lot of cases, they're way worse. They're really good at being obedient, and they're really good at nepotism, and they're really good at basically playing their inside games, whatever games they are, but they're not really that good at being programmers. And so what I learned from seeing that side of the you know, H-1B visa necessary STEM worker bullshit is the necessary STEM worker bullshit is total fucking bullshit. I mean, the thing about Americans and the deep state and the bankers, they don't want you smart. They don't want you in charge. They don't want you to control crap. They would just assume hire somebody from another country that has no allegiance, allegiance to anyone here than to actually allow people to do their fucking jobs here the right fucking way. For, for the last 30, 40 years, China has been socially promoted. Promoted as being something that they are not. And here's the reality. It isn't about the Chinese people. It is about the Chinese government. It is corrupt and evil. It is doing incredibly corrupt and evil things. So this German general asking the question, why the double standard is a good fucking question. Why the double standard? Why are we so upset about Russia being in Crimea? And by the way, Crimea is about a billion times more Russian than Texas, California, or Puerto Rico are American. But but why are we so fucking upset about this? And we don't care if millions of people are being roasted and their organs are being pulled out and sold in China. That's a good fucking question, isn't it?
And by the way, I don't want to go to war with China, but you know, but you know what I also don't want to fucking do? I don't want to socially promote scumbag communists. I don't want to socially promote douchebags who are harming their own people. I don't want to tell people that this weird group of pariahs, these scumbags, are going to rule the world when A, it's never going to happen, and B, these are shitheads. Why would you want them to rule the world? Why? Okay? Name for me the product that you bought from China that lasted nearly as long as the products your parents used to buy. Tell me the thing that is so high quality you couldn't live without it. Okay, how much more garbage do you need to dump into the fucking ocean that has made in China written on it? That's a fair fucking question, I think. And that doesn't mean I want to go to war with China or do anything with... I don't want to have anything to do with any fucking communists on planet Earth. Period. It's why I don't vote. It's why I'm not a Republican. It's why I'm not a Democrat. Because I hate communists and I actually mean it. And yeah, if you're a voter in America in 2022, you're a flavor of a communist. And you're sitting on your ass getting upset about whatever bullshit Fox News or CNN told you today. I don't care if you're a liberal or conservative, Democrat, Republican. You're a nasty, dirty fucking commie. You want your commie money. You want your Federal Reserve. Hey, Jerome Powell. Are you going to save me today? I'm just saying, Jerome... Yeah, I, I, I will beat up on the Chinese communists, but I also beat up on all the other communists. And America has become a very unfree, very communist kind of place. And so when people tell me, Dan, we might have communism soon, and then I, and th these are the same people that say back the blue and they support every fucking defense weapon increase. And basically, they, they support tons of communism they don't understand. They love the whole flipping houses thing and the HELOC thing. Even though if you turn off the Fed spigot, that all implodes on itself. They're good little fucking communists. And it doesn't matter if they say mega or not. They're, they're all commies to me. And they suck. And some of them will have the common sense to give up their bullshit. And a lot of people will go right to the bottom of the ocean, being pulled down by a fucking, by a fucking anchor that has Made in China written on it. The Chinese are not going to rule the world, folks. Ray Kurzweil is not going to live forever. Okay, Bill Gates, you know, is probably not going to go to jail. I, he might, something else might happen to him. Kind of hope he does. And the Chinese are not going to rule the world. Back in the 1980s, they told us every other fucking week, the Japanese will rule the world. The Japanese will be in charge. Oh my God, the Japanese are almost in charge. That was total fucking bullshit and it never fucking happened. And looking back, I wonder if that wasn't on purpose. Because a lot of the stuff that used to look organic to me looks really fucking fake. It really does. The Japanese did not take over the world. The Chinese did not take over the world. The United States has had effective control of much of the world for 50 years. And that was never going to last. That will end too. 
And if you want to pretend this is 4th century Rome and it's going to take another 100 years, you can live in fantasy world and pretend you live in that fantasy. But it's not, okay? The best comparison of the United States to any empire in history is the Mongol Empire. And it grew up fast and fell fast in the non-digital age. So don't compare us to fucking Rome, okay? Shut the fuck up about that. You want to compare the United States Petro Banker Scam Empire to any other piece of shit empire, compare us to the Mongol Empire. And believe me, it rose quickly and it fell quickly. Douchebag. <laughs> I don't know. I hope my listeners understand I'm talking to someone, but I'm not talking to you. But sometimes I don't know what to say, man. I don't know what to say. China has been socially promoted in American culture my entire adult life. And maybe the social promotion of Japan was like a test. Maybe it was something else. I don't know. This isn't a question of equivalence, okay? I, I, don't, I don't really care about the racism thing, all right? This is a question of the governments. And, and the Chinese government specifically has been socially promoted to the point that celebrities have said things about the Chinese government that are completely fucking outrageous, but they say them like, well, you know, aren't they smart because they do this and they do that? And it's like, dude, do you fucking know how many millions of people are gonna die because you said that so it'll take a little longer for people to say no? Just to say no. People will say no. After you... Listen. You can see a lot of people get killed eventually if it's indiscriminate. And the communists do that pretty well. Eventually, if it's indiscriminate, someone you know is going to get killed. And eventually, they kill everybody you know. At that point, what the fuck do you have left to lose? Answer nothing. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Great science fiction forces you out of your paradigm. It doesn't keep you trapped inside. Dr. Freckles. What does that mean? Okay, so we know what science fiction is. It's a form of literature. can be in a movie, so it doesn't have to be literature. But the point is, it's a form of fiction where people are usually talking about the future in a technological or scientific context, usually. It, usually, it's either the background, the foreground, part of the character story, but the point is, something about it deals with a speculative future involving science and technology. That's more or less a definition of science fiction. Now, there's a lot of science fiction that tells you shit you want to hear, okay? That just... It's like the Jetsons stuff. Um, when I watched the Jetsons cartoon as a kid, you know, and I'd call that a kind of science fiction. It may be low-level sci-fi, but it's a kind. But when I watched the science fiction cartoons, the Jetsons as a kid, I kind of assumed that that was going to be my future. And the reason is simple. That cartoon, you know, came out, I think, 10 years before I was born. So I figured, well, shit, it's got to be close by now, right? You know, 90 minutes from New York to Paris under sea by rail, right? When I saw, you know, the film Star Wars, Episode 4, you know, which was really the first Star Wars, so believe me, that was its own mindfuck, right? 
When I saw the first Star Wars in 77, I was seven years old, baby. I kind of assumed, you know... I kind of assumed by this time we would be flying in spaceships. We would be traveling in airplanes going faster than the speed of sound on a daily basis. I assumed by this point in time the physical manifestations of technology would match the expectations. Now you can tell me all you want to about, well, Dan, we got the internet and we got virtual reality. Shut the fuck up. You have a cage. You have a dog collar. You have a tracking device. Shut the fuck up. We were supposed to have technology that would free us, that would allow us to go further into space, further into the ocean, further to Antarctica, which seems to be just as closed off today as it was a hundred fucking years ago. I mean, I guess unless you're a billionaire, right? We were supposed to do things with technology, not just sit on our asses and watch a screen. In fact, the novel, 1984, which could be considered a kind of science fiction, predicted a future where the screen becomes the fucking tyrant. The screen becomes the controller. The screen becomes the jailer. The screen becomes your god, essentially. So tell me again about your fucking screen. not holding it together very well. Anyways, a great science fiction writer by the name of L. Neil Smith died in 2021. He wrote a, a, a book, a story. He wrote a story, a book called The Probability Brooch, and I have a link to, the, uh, to a version of it on Amazon in the notes. Um, L. Neil Smith in the probability brooch presents a possibility that the future of America, the future of America could have been radically different, that America could have been different. If, if, if a few things had been different, like if, if, if in the Declaration of Independence, if it had said not just the consent of the governed, but the unanimous consent of the governed, that one change in language, according to L. Neil Smith, might have been huge. It might have led to people questioning what really was a coup d'etat in 1787 and a radical redefining of the goals of the revolution. What we wanted to be was free. And what they immediately did, the quote-unquote founding fathers of the Constitution, is they took your freedom from you and then they sold it back. And at first the price was zero if you were a good white man. But eventually even you would have to pay a fucking fee and that's when you would get upset. And that's when they're going to use the racial tension because then they can have other people say, well, look, we got hurt for so long. You deserve to be hurt. I literally heard that bullshit at an Uncle Ike's in 2020. I, I made a good argument. And the response from this freak was, well, now everybody gets to burn. And what I wanted to do was clap. And we were all in fucking mass, but I wanted to clap and applaud because even if it wasn't the intention of this dumbass commie freak to say this, they were speaking the truth. They took your freedom in 1787 and then they sold it back to you. Hooray, hooray, hooray. But what L. Neil Smith said is what if one thing had been different? What if one little thing had been different and instead of the consent of the governed, it was the unanimous consent of the governed? Then maybe this could have been a free country instead of a fucking empire. 
great science fiction pushes you out of your paradigm. It pushes you out of your beliefs. It goes beyond what they tell you is going to happen. In some ways, George Orwell's 1984 is not as good as L. Neal Smith's The Probability Brooch. And I'll tell you why. Because Orwell keeps you trapped in a cage. He, he more or less almost paints a future of pathetic inevitability. And, and it really did just kind of happen anyways, didn't it? L. Neal Smith says, you know what? It didn't even have to be. It could be completely different. We do not have to give in to the idea that tyranny is unstoppable. If we will criticize the perpetual motion machine, if we'll criticize the crazies, why don't we criticize the crazies who tell us that government can't be stopped? That sounds fucking... You know what? Government self-destructs, motherfucker. It's not only that it can be stopped. You almost don't have to if you're willing to wait a couple hundred years. But for the most part, governments destroy them fucking, their fucking selves, baby. They destroy themselves. They, they will eventually blow up. And yes, they can be stopped. The sad truth is, often, the people that do the stopping simply replace it with another shitty government. Which is too bad. Next topic, next topic. Guess I'm kind of angry today, right? So, I did debate back in high school, and I don't know if that was good or bad. Looking back, I think it was a waste of time. I, I wish I'd spent more time with the electronics geeks and less time with the people that wanted to be lawyers and senators, but that was my, you know, crappy childhood, not yours, so fuck you. But I did debate in high school, and I remember I was at this one debate tournament where, you know, all these young people who think they're so, so, so fucking smart are having one of these pseudo-rational conversations, and one of them had to do with Hitler. Like, this dude says, well, you know, what if there had been a good Hitler? What if there, what if there had been a Hitler who only did good things? Like, made sure you had the roads, and the hospitals, and put bad people in prison. What if... What if you had a good Hitler, Dan? And, you know, looking back, my answer, my answer actually was, you know, the kind of like, well, I don't know. That just seems, that seems kind of difficult to, 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 to work through there, buddy. I didn't really want to go too deep into it at the time. At the time, it was almost too serious a conversation for me because I just, I didn't really take any of it that seriously. And, and a lot of teenagers don't, you know, some do, some don't. To me, it was a gimmick and a game to begin with, um. But again, the argument goes like, well, what if there's a good Hitler? Yeah, he's all into the party and all into like some of the stupid, you know, ceremonial bullshit. But he doesn't go around starting wars. He goes around stopping wars. And he, he doesn't go killing people. He saves people. What if there's a good Hitler? Now, this is a great thought experiment. 
okay, for a lot of people. It's worthless to me. I'm way beyond it. This is like the good emperor thing. People, and I won't say who, but a lot of people will, will bring up Marcus Aurelius, you know, and they'll talk about him like he was the good emperor. And listen, I, I'm going to tell you this. I can't prove it. I mean, I can't prove Ray Kurzweil's going to die. He says he's going to live forever. I cannot prove he's going to die. But I tell you with near certainty that Ray Kurzweil, despite all of his living forever bullshit, will die. And I can tell you with certainty, though I can't prove it, that there was no such thing as a good emperor. There's no such thing as a good Hitler, okay? The, the, the reality is this. If you have things you want to achieve in this world that are righteous and good, especially if you're a Christian, you can do so by forcing people or you can do so by persuading people. Now, let me ask you a question about the life of Jesus, and let's just compare this with Hitler. Did Jesus go around you know, pulling out a sword and pointing that sword at people's throats saying, you, you know, you know, blessed are the, blessed are the meek. I mean, can you imagine him giving the beatitude speech while threatening people with a sword? Can you imagine him discussing that, actually discussing a righteous life while threatening people? It, it, it's off-putting and bizarre. And later Christians did that. Later on, Christians took the truth of Christ and they corrupted the fuck out of it. But can you imagine Jesus Christ going around the Holy Land with swords pulled out, threatening people as he talked about the love of God, as he talked about the kingdom and the kingdom life? I, I don't think that would have worked. And, I, and, I, and here's the thing. There probably were fakers who went around doing wretched, stupid shit like that. And that, of many reasons, is one of the reasons we don't know of them. Okay? You know? Jesus was the real thing on so many levels, but he demonstrated it in his life. So if you tell me, what about a good Hitler, or are there times when it's justified to use force? My answer is, if you tell people the truth, if you tell people the truth, like if you say to people, there's a catastrophe coming, and it's really bad. It could be so bad that it's going to basically change everyone's life, and a lot of people won't make it. Yeah, I think if you tell the truth, some people will go crazy especially given all the, you know, the lying that's been going on. Some people will lose it. Some people will deny it. But if you tell people the truth, some will listen. Jesus knew this. Jesus lived his life this way. If you persuade people who listen to the truth, those are the people you want to help you. You don't want the people who cannot be persuaded on your team. I don't care how many fucking guns you have. I don't care how much concertina wire you have. You don't want people on your team that don't want to fucking be there. And if you think the answer to your problem is forcing people to be there, then guess what? You're not the good Hitler, you fuck. And you're not the good emperor, you fuck. There's nothing good about forcing anybody to do anything. Even if you think it's the right thing, it's still not good. Fucking good Hitler. <sighs> Next topic. Next topic. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Communism. So here's communism. We're going to steal all your shit. But we're going to give a little bit of it back to you over time. We'll keep your wretched soul barely alive to make more shit that we can steal. But we're going to kill you. That's communism, okay? Communism is the ultimate grift. It is where the Constitution ends up. If you want to know where 
selling your freedom and then paying for it to get it back ends up, it ends up there. It ends up with them barely keeping you alive for whatever wretched purpose they have, giving you just enough to keep alive, giving you just enough to keep doing your stupid shit for them, but they're going to kill you anyways. If they don't kill you physically, which they probably will, they will kill your spirit, they will kill your mind, they will kill your future. So for all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter what they say, they will kill you. That's communism, okay? That's where you end up. If you go down the road to thinking that, that, of thinking that voting and having cops and armies is a great way to solve problems, you end up in that world and you get treated like shit. Have you been mentally aware the last couple years? Maybe, I don't know, maybe some people out there are the higher level slaves and so they can mostly pretend that none of it was happening. But most people I know were brutally aware of everything that was fucking happening. Every kind of existential assault that happened in the last couple of years because of this stupid fucking bullshit. I don't know. I was going to talk about... Okay, so Hanlon's razor. And this is going to help us think about this whole having power versus not having power. Because again, I don't believe in good Hitler, but after this, who knows? Maybe you'll think there is one. So there's this guy named Gary. There's this guy named Gary, and Gary, Gary basically lives in a cage. Gary gets given his food each day. Gary is allowed to go to the bathroom and take a shower. Gary lives in a prison cell. And then, every once in a while, Gary is taken out of the cage and put on a table and injected and cut open and parts of Gary are, you know, something's done to them and then, you know, he's sewed up and he's put back into his cage. Now, if I describe some type of alien abduction, and, and you could think of it in those terms, like Gary's been abducted and, he, and he's on a spaceship and he's being experimented on, okay? If you apply Hanlon's razor, Hanlon's razor would be like, well, Maybe, maybe they're stupid and they're not evil. And that's okay. I'm okay with it. But here's the deal. It's not an alien, all right? It's not the government. Um, it's a doctor. It's an actual doctor. It's, you know, a veterinarian, a, a veterinarian, a surgeon. And Gary's a dog. And Gary has the memory of a dog and the world of a dog. And for the next few weeks, Gary's in a cage getting surgeries because Gary's owners... And the doctor want to save Gary's life. What does Hanlon's razor say about that? And again, I'm asking because, you know, we just got done talking about the good Hitler and communism. What, what, what exactly does Hanlon's razor say? What I would say Hanlon's razor says is that the whole, it could be, you know, it could be that they're evil you know, or stupid, you know, stupid. It might, it's more likely they're stupid and not evil. You can't say any of that shit in that context. Hanlon's razor fails, and I know I beat up on it a lot. It fails for lots of reasons, but it fails mainly because it doesn't really have any type of applicability. Like in the case of Gary, from Gary's perspective, Gary's fucking terrorized. And Gary might think the people in charge are evil, and Gary might think they're stupid, but what if the reality is neither one of those concepts fucking applies? Hanlon's razor's wrong, folks. Next topic. 
Okay, so trolley problems. Boy, that's another one that helps keep people up, keep people, you know, able to sleep at night with the COVID trolley problems. The trolley problem has many versions. You're in charge of a trolley. There's a there's a split in the track up ahead. If you go right, you you run a person over. If you go left, you kill like 60 or 100 people. So you've got to go right and just kill one person. That's basically the trolley problem. But the main problem with the trolley problem, in, you know, is the fact that it's just not even remotely connected to reality. The philosophy professor will say, well, I'm using this as a tool so I can have people ask good questions. But, you know, Dr. Mr. and Mrs. Philosopher, have a good fucking tool. What you've created is an impossible scenario. It's a lot like a Skinner box. To me, the trolley problem is 100% like a Skinner box. You got a fucking pigeon in a Skinner box. It's got some buttons in front of it. If it pushes the right button, it doesn't get it does not get electrocuted, okay? But in what fucking pigeon universe does that match a pigeon's reality as it should be? None. Zero. Zip. Nada. Even the pigeon in its normal world has an almost infinite variety of potential choices compared to the stupid fucking Skinner box. The trolley problem is the Skinner box. It's like, no, there is no third choice because you're a trolley on some rails. Yeah, if all of the universe were people on trolleys and whatnot, although then that begs the question, how the fuck did the dude get tied to the rails? How the fuck did the people get around walking on the rails? If, the, if, we, if we should think of the world in terms of these impossible choices, how the fuck did the people in this impossible scenario do their impossible bullshit? Because clearly somebody could tie somebody to the rail and a whole bunch of people could just stand on them. So clearly there, there are little escape hatches from your nearly perfect gedanken, fuckhead. I hate the trolley problem, but you know what? Motherfuckers who support this COVID bullshit love the trolley problem because it, it's how they justify it. It's how they say to themselves, I'm okay scaring the fuck out of kids, and I'm okay scaring the fuck out of adults. I'm okay scaring my neighbor because I'm doing it because I don't have any other choice. I only have a few choices, and, and it's just A or B, there is no C or D, and I'm fucked. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't like to agree with Captain Kirk because he represents another kind of fuck, mindfuck, uh, psyop in a way, the whole space thing. But here's the thing about Captain Kirk. He, he was right in the Wrath of Khan. He was correct. He did not believe in the no-win scenario, and neither do I. It's not because you're guaranteed to win. And if you think that's what I'm saying, fuck you. It's just that you can't fucking know. Anybody who tells you they can predict the future is a liar, unless they're God. And since God gave us free will, you'd have to be God to be able to predict the future. But unless you're God, anybody who tells you they can, they're a liar, they're wrong. Yeah, there are certainties and probabilities in a sense. Yeah, you could say it's probably true that someone's going to die. But it doesn't mean absolutely they will die. Okay, at some specific time. I can say that everybody will die, and that's basically true. But even there, even there, even there, you have to hold out the possibility that there could be a person um, who gets born at some point in the future who doesn't die. I don't think that'll ever happen. But you kind of have to, you know, it could happen. What I am saying is that the quote-unquote scenario where the future is guaranteed, like it is with the trolley problem or the fucking Skinner box, that does not represent reality. That represents the fantasy of a torturer. That rep represents a very fucking disturbed mind. 
Reality doesn't work that way. There is no trolley problem. The Skinner box does not match the way things work. Ray Kurzweil will die. Communism always fails. China will not take over the world, folks. Next topic. I'm going over some stuff I've talked about before, the noble lie. The noble lie. It's a lie that we do, we tell a lie because we don't want to hurt people. And, and sometimes in the smaller case, this is called a white lie. Like for example, if your wife says, do I, does, this, does this dress look good? You know, a husband will say it looks great. Maybe it looks great. I mean, I'm not saying every husband does that, but a lot of husbands would say it looks great. And at, you know, at the time you say to yourself, well, that's the right thing to do. Perhaps it is, I don't know. But when people talk about the noble lie, they're usually not talking about um, the mundane. They're not usually talking about ordinary human relationships. Sometimes they are, but usually they're talking about this government bullshit. And that sometimes the government can't tell you the truth. If they tell you the truth, the whole truth, you'll go fucking crazy. I, I think the opposite is true. I think that the lies go on long enough, the whole society goes crazy. But their argument is there are some truths that are so bad and scary and destructive that it's better off just to keep them hidden or to lie about them. And I'm going to leave you to think on this. I don't think that's possibly the case, but if one of you want to send me a fucking email telling me, well, Dan, if they told the truth about this, the world would have burned. Here's what I think. If it's so bad that some government fuckhead is afraid people would know, we need to know. Period. If it's so bad that a government person's afraid that we'll get angry, we probably will and we need to get angry. There are things we need to do and we need to stop trusting these sociopaths. We need to try, you know, we need to stop trusting them because they don't trust us and they treat us like shit. So we need to stop that. And, and we need to stop believing that it's okay that they lie to us. It's not. And we may never find the truth because these fuckers are pretty good at nuking the truth, but it is our right, it is the purpose and part of the mind, the human mind, to seek the truth. It is better to have more information than less. The less information we have, the only thing we can fill it in with is fear. So better to have some knowledge than just fear. The Milgram experiment. Okay. So I've been thinking about the Milgram experiment off and on the last couple of years, and I was thinking about the incident at Boys State in 1988, where I was a counselor, okay, for people one year younger than me. So essentially, I was 18, and all these kids I was being a counselor for were 17. And there was this one day towards the end of Boys State where I was bored, and these kids were bored, but we were all kids, we were bored. And I said, why don't you all load up into the elevator and try to go up a floor? Now, I've talked about this before. Not a proud moment for all sorts of reasons. I truly didn't believe that they would just do that because it seemed absurd. At the time, it seemed absurd. And then in retrospect, it was kind of scary. But a whole bunch of these 17-year-olds listened to an 18-year-old and loaded up into an elevator and tried to go up a floor. And because of that, and because it was Eastern Washington University, and it was a Sunday in 1988... It took a few hours to get one of those elevator people. And so a bunch of these kids were stuck in an elevator for, I think, three or four hours. 
And I'm not, listen, looking back, I'm not proud of it. I truly did not believe at the time that if I told them to do something stupid like that, they would all just go do it. But I did do that. It did happen. And I am sorry. I don't think it's funny. You know, it was one of those moments in my life that stuck with me because it stuck with me about the gullibility of people and their willingness just to do something if they're told to do it. I don't know that this is directly related to what Milgram was thinking about, but it is something that I've experienced. But here's what I would say. It's probably true that there are a lot of people who will do what they're told to do. And, you know, in some ways, Boys State in Washington State is one of those organizations that pre that's prepping a bunch of young people to sort of be the future leaders of whatever. And so in some ways, you've already got a group of people that are predisposed to following orders. They've all been through their public schools. They've all had their Prussian training. And so in some ways, you could say, well, this is predictable. Yeah, it was an absurd command. It made no sense. Why would they all do this? They didn't really use any of their individual reasoning really in any effective way. They just all decided to do something stupid. And that's another thing too. You can chalk this up just to teenagers doing stupid shit. And all I did was propose something really stupid to do. And that's also a category. The Milgram experiment was an attempt at trying to understand why it was so many Germans during World War II followed orders participating in the execution of millions of people. It was a question that Stanley Milgram had, and a lot of people did, because at the time he was doing his research, there had recently been the trial of Adolf Eichmann in Jerusalem, the trial for his war crimes. And Eichmann was basically an administrator, a bureaucrat. If he ever did kill anyone, it was something he chose to do. It's unlikely that he was ever ordered to kill anyone. He might have been in charge of an organization that was organized to kill a lot of people, but he himself probably never had to see people get killed unless he wanted to. I don't know enough about Eichmann to know whether or not he enjoyed killing, enjoyed watching killing. That's not even relevant. The reality is he ran an organization that enabled the killing of millions of people, but he never did have to see it, hear it, or smell it unless he wanted to. The problem with the Milgram experiment is you've got this guy in a room with an administrator telling him to do something, but the guy can hear the screams. And the guy can hear the screams, and if the person doing the screaming is doing a good job and they throw in a death rattle, it could probably be pretty fucking shocking. <laughs> Which is funny because they're delivering electric shocks in the experiment. Um, the person in the Milgram experiment is being lied to but the person can also hear the screams. Listen, guys, that's not Adolf Eichmann. That's probably not even a drone operator who's given a video game reality and probably never sees blood. The computer just displays a, maybe the, yeah, the computer displays a, you know, a high score or something. But for a lot of the military today, for a lot of the killing that gets done, people are incredibly distant from the killing. Like, it's called mechanical distance, but it's incredible. You know, you could kill somebody and barely know you did it. That's how Obama killed a lot of people with the drone strikes. He killed a lot of people and barely had to touch it. And maybe he is a sociopath who enjoys killing people. But 
Everybody who helped build the drones, the entire portion of the military industrial complex that supports it, all the people that support the computer networks that enable it, the people that support the satellite networks, everyone involved in the process to enable a drone killing, they didn't know. They, didn't, they weren't told. No one, no one was going to tell some individual manufacturer of a capacitor or a CPU or a transistor, guess what? That transistor, that capacitor, that chunk of aluminum is going to be involved in killing 50 people. No, that never happened. And so the Milgram experiment works and it doesn't. It kind of helps you with the what, why do people pull the trigger if they have the power to say no problem. It kind of helps you there. But in terms of modern killing, it's useless. It, it, it doesn't even really apply to Adolf Eichmann. It doesn't apply to middle-level bureaucrats pushing paper around. They didn't have to hear the screams, and they could rationalize the numbers away just like every stupid motherfucker in every American city does every fucking day, especially with the COVID bullshit. They can rationalize it all away. They can hear numbers that make sense, and they can go to pretend land. The real Milgram experiment, if done correctly, would look a lot like an American living in America today. You don't really have to hear the screams if you don't want to. You can tune into the screen, the tablet, the TV set. You can watch another reality. You never, ever, ever even have to know that you participate in anything that would kill a bunch of people. It, it, you're so distant from it, you don't even get the echoes of the pain. The Milgram experiment is bullshit. My sister Nancy was a breast cancer survivor. She died of cancer in 2012. My mom was a breast cancer survivor. She died of cancer in 2010. Um, I mention that because this whole breast cancer survivor thing is discussed until they talk about the second or the third cancer, the one that finally kills the person. And then these people kind of pretend they never said breast cancer survivor, but they were both breast cancer survivors. And I can't tell you precisely why. Could be genetics, could be environment. I suspect it's a little of both. I kind of think that the environment is doing a lot more damage to us genetically and in terms of our everyday life than any of us realize. A lot of people I've known have gotten cancer. A lot of people I've known have had to make significant lifestyle changes because of cancer. There is reason to believe that TEPCO, okay, Tokyo Electric, a.k.a. General Electric, after Fukushima, followed orders to burn radioactive waste. Not to deal with it, you don't deal with radioactivity by burning it, but to spread it all over the prefecture, all over that part of Japan. So if there were cancers, they would be statistically distributed. Okay? They, they made a decision to spread cancer around so that their legal threat, their lawsuit threat, would be diminished. Okay? Many organizations are producing, you know, food additives, parts of the supply chain that give people cancer. Does that mean I have a right to break down the door of your fucking home, point a gun at your head and say, you have to go get a colonoscopy? Does it? Does it mean I have a right to run through the three streets, threaten random people and say, you need to go get a breast exam? I'm not saying it wouldn't help, but my question is, can I go do that now? Because I've seen how you germaphobic COVID freaks behave. 
Lots of people have diabetes. We know the Norman Borlaug Green Revolution shred the fucking Midwest, turn it into a desert, and flush it into the Gulf of Mexico bullshit is contributing to the fucking diabetes. Do I have a right to go around the Midwest setting those Monsanto farms on fire, destroying those fucking grain elevators containing that wretched poisoning? That wretched poison? Do I have a right to do that? Now that we've seen how COVID gives us the right to do things? Yeah, I'm beating this one for a simple reason. I've gotten a lot of stupid, noble lie, trolley problem, handling bullshit from a lot of motherfuckers with respect to the COVID. So my question is, when it comes to cancer and diabetes and heart disease, can I break down your fucking door? Can I force you to take a test now? Is that okay? And if you say, well, Dan, those things, they don't threaten you. Well, but they do involve things that do threaten me. They do involve a food system I don't control. They do involve General Electric and companies like that that lie to you about pollution that causes cancer. So, yeah, I think there's a few fucking doors that apply. And clearly nothing's being done. The, the cancer problem's not going away. So the question is... In the defense of save one life and flatten the curve, can we form shock armies forcing people to get a colonoscopy? Or maybe, and I'm just spitballing here, that would be fucking stupid. You want to understand why I think a lot of you are fucking stupid? Because what I just described has more of a basis in the current healthcare context than any of this COVID bullshit. But I don't think any of you would be okay with this. I don't think any of you would be okay with me busting down your door and forcing a camera up your butt. I really don't. So why the fuck do you think you have the right to go to my door, to go to my job, to go to my grocery store, to go to my fucking life with a gun and say, participate? Oh boy, buddy. Yeah, things will get stupid. If that's your plan, if you think that's a good idea, if you're a good voter and you support that, shit will get really fucking stupid in a way that's going to turn your life upside down. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean... Um, I'm almost done here. I got a couple more topics very quickly. If you listen to this podcast and you like it, which based upon my ranting today, you might not. But if you listen and you like it and you've taken care of your food, your water, your shelter, you've taken care of the people you love, you provided for yourself at least a chance to survive through what I think is coming and it's coming very soon. So you've got a few months worth of food at least uh, set aside. You know how to purify water. And if you don't, you have some ability to filter water. If you've done the things you need to prepare and you like this podcast, you can donate. You don't have to donate at all. If you donate once, I think that that's amazing. If you want to donate, donate more than once, you can, but you don't have to donate at all. Um, I'm asking for the donation because without it, I can't keep the podcast going. But truly, folks, I don't know how much more, you know, I don't know how much of this is going to keep going uh, in, in a few few more days or weeks. Um, so I, I'm sorry, but that's where I'm at with this. It could last another year. And if it does, I'd like to do some things to prepare. But it seems like the nonsense is starting to move in that nonlinear way. And the ground is beginning to slip. 
and uh, it's hard to say. But if you've got a few extra bucks and you want to send them to Uncle Dan so he can drink some beer, vape some weed, publish some stuff and podcasts and whatnot, and do some creative work before the big whatever happens, you can do that. There will be a PayPal link in the notes, baby. You can do it, baby, if you want to. And one last thing. Um, I, I have a cousin, his life is private, and I try to respect that. Um, but I do believe in the power of prayer. So I'm going to ask you. Uh, I'm not going to give his name out. I'm not going to tell you very many specifics. Um, I will tell you he's a good man. He is a teacher. He is an instructor. He is a professor. He is someone who has spent his life dedicated to scholarship and continues to do so. He has a family that loves him. And as I've been telling Jesus the last couple days, my cousin has more work to do. I think we all do. Just because I talk about difficult times does not mean the world is coming to an end. In some ways, in many ways, the world may just be beginning again. And so we need people like my cousin, even though he probably doesn't agree with much of what I say, we need people like him. His work is not done. So I'm not going to give out his name. You don't need to know his name. I'm going to ask you, if you can, if you're a Christian, if you could say a prayer today for Dan's cousin. Jesus will know who you're talking about. My cousin is in a very bad situation in the hospital. And he needs your help. And his work is not done. And I know that he's not special in the sense that anyone is. I mean, I know that lots of people are dying and lots of people have been killed. And so selfishly, I'm talking about one person in my life that I care about. But I am asking if you have the time today and if you can say a prayer for my cousin, do so. Ask Jesus to help him. Ask him to intercede. Ask him to heal him. And whatever happens, happens. But like I said, my cousin's work is not done. So here we are, almost 10 a.m. Holy smokes, I've been jabbing for too long, right? Here we are, almost 10 a.m. on Tuesday, January the 25th, 2022, Boblimp Doc. And I've been ranting bad today about stuff I've talked about before, but like I said, I'm trying to keep things clear for people. You know, if I'm going to podcast, I don't want to deceive people. I guess the message I'd leave you with is this. I am convinced that, best case scenario, the collapse of the empire is going to happen. The collapse of the dollar is going to happen, and I don't know that it's that far off in the future. Um, and, and, it's, and it's possible that this stupid PSYOP has been used to manage that. It does seem like using dynamite to remodel with. I mean, it seems dumb to me. It seems dumb to manage collapse with these types of psyops, but maybe. 
But I also think it's possible that the PSYOPs are intended to buy time to prepare, to buy time for people in positions of power to deal with something that they won't tell us about because of the noble lie. They won't talk about, they're, they're afraid it would scare us, whatever. And if that's the case, it could be worse. And if it is worse, here's what I'll also say. It does not mean it's the end of the world. It also doesn't mean you should give up all your power to the good Hitler. There are no good Hitlers. There are no good emperors. It is arguable that the reason why we ended up in this shithole context is because people believe in that bullshit, that fairy tale bullshit. That does not exist, okay? There are no good tyrants. And if we want one chance in hell at survival, the only way is freedom, period. We need water, we need food, we need shelter, we need air we can breathe. And I'll tell you something else, human beings need to be free. You put them into a Skinner box, you stick them onto a fucking trolley, you tell them you can only go right or go left, you know what they end up doing? They have heart attacks, they get diabetes, they do what a lot of the pigeons do. They go into the corner of the cage and they just die. You need food, you need water, you need air you can breathe, you need shelter, and you and I both need to be free. Have a great rest of your day.